right. Good morning. I'm Jim Shoemaker, and welcome back to Talk Money right here on KWAM 990 in Memphis. And my guest host with me is Jeremy Jones. Uh, he's our executive vice president, COO, guy that kind of runs the place. But let me tell you who we've got on the phone. Our One of our favorite guests that always does a great job for us, and he talks about a subject that everybody literally wants to talk about, whether you're 25 years old and your expectations of what's going on with Social Security or you're 65 years old and you're thinking about what you're really going to get from that. But I, let me welcome this guy, Kurt, first of all, from World Headquarters or Zonowski uh, uh, Consulting. Welcome to the program, sir. Thank you, Jim. Great to be back with you. You know, now that I'm back on, uh, seems to me you only have me on uh, around times of national holidays, <laughs> so there must be a big holiday coming up. And Oh! My goodness, a week from today is July 4th. You got it. Yeah, we thought about it. We really did. Saving for next week. (laughs) Saving for next week, but not this time. Well, let me ask you a question. Again, everybody, our listening audience needs to know we're talking with Kurt Zornowski, and he is an expert when it comes to Social Security. And, Kurt, this is a topic that just seems to go on and on, that people misunderstand it. It gets to they struggle with it. They get bad information. Uh, can you help me with that a little bit? Why is it that this is a topic that everybody should know something about, but it seems to be misunderstood, uh, bad information, as I said, and sometimes you wait to the last minute. Why do people do that, you think? Well, you know, we'll start for the first part. You know, basically, Social Security has now been around for more than 78 years, nearly 79 years. Uh, each and every month, the Social Security Administration pays about $68 billion in benefits to more than 58 million people in this country. And on top of that, there's another 165 million folks who are now working and paying into the program. So it does impact the lives of just about everyone in this country. And it's particularly important, though, that folks understand the program. Well, it's important that they understand it at all phases of their life. But, you know, what we're seeing now with the retirement of the baby boomers the issue of Social Security and how it fits into retirement planning is becoming ever more important for folks to understand. It largely, well, not largely, but because of the change in the private pension world, as you well know, the the death, if you will, of the defined benefit plan, the rise of the defined contribution plan, Social Security for many folks is the only guaranteed stream of lifetime income that they're going to have. And so it's vitally important that they understand what it is but then they have to recognize what it isn't. And it was never intended to be somebody's only source of income in retirement. It's always been set up to provide a floor or base of income protection that people can count on being there, but they need to recognize they have to take steps to supplement Social Security because for the average worker, the Social Security payment each month is only intended to replace around 41% of somebody's pre-retirement income. So It's something they can count on, but equally importantly, they need to find ways to supplement it if they're going to have that comfortable retirement that everybody hopes to enjoy. Well, that's exactly right. We talk about it in the office that the retirement planning is based on a three-legged stool. First of all, Social Security, as you said, that base or that foundation, then that defined benefit or defined contribution plan that's the qualified money. And then, of course, we talk about the extra being the personal savings, something that a lot of people fail to do and wonder why. In fact, we've discovered that a lot of people get to that retirement age, and in in a lot of cases, it's only Social Security that they have because it has been a disciplined payment program their entire life. How do you become eligible for the benefits? Sure, basically it's... There is a relationship between working and qualifying for benefits, basically, and that's been one of the hallmarks of the Social Security program 
for more than 78 years, it is really an earned right. You qualify for payments down the road if at some point you have worked and worked in a job that is covered by the Social Security program. 2014, you're going to make or pay Social Security tax of 6.2% on the first $117,000 that you happen to make this year. But in terms of figuring out whether you've worked long enough to vest, if you will, in the program, you need to earn a certain number of Social Security credits. Now, in the early days of the program, talked about earning quarters of coverage, which meant you had to work during a calendar quarter of the year and make at least $50 during that three-month period. If you did, you earned one quarter of coverage, and you could earn a maximum of four quarters of coverage for one year's work. 1978, though, the program changed, became a lot easier for folks to get coverage and protection, moved away from this calendar-driven system to what is referred to as earning Social Security credits. And now you earn credits not based on when you happen to have worked, but based on the dollar amount of earnings you have during the course of the year. That first year, you would earn one Social Security credit for each $250 that you made, regardless of when you made it. So, for example, in 1978, because you could earn no more than four credits during a calendar year, if you had earnings of $1,000 of more, regardless of when you made it, you would have earned your four Social Security credits for that year. 2014, amount required for credit has increased, so it's now one credit for each $1,200 that you make, again, regardless of when you make it. So if in 2014 you have earnings of $4,800, which is $1,200 times four, then you have earned your maximum of four credits for this year. And the bottom line, Jim, is once someone has accumulated 40, 40 credits and or quarters of coverage going all the way back, then they are, Social Security uses the term insured for a benefit, but think about it as you are vested in the Social Security program and you will absolutely qualify for something when the time comes. But that's how you get your foot in the door. Ten years of work under the system absolutely qualifies you for something. Now, if you haven't worked or paid into the system, the only way you can collect is if your spouse has worked and paid into the system or perhaps a parent has worked and paid into the system. But all this talk these days about folks coming in and never working and collecting Social Security benefits, that's just wrong. You get benefits from Social Security if you or your spouse or parent has worked and paid into the system. Hey, Kurt, Jeremy Jones. Uh, that's great. Hey, I think. Good morning to you, sir. So I've worked all my life. I've earned my credits one way or the other. Now I'm looking at retirement. So I'm deciding, okay, and, and especially over the last few years or basically the last decade, as you're talking about, should I take it now? When should I take it? Oh, it's going to be gone, so I need to get it when I can. When, when should someone start receiving their benefits? Sure, Jeremy. And, you know, people need to understand in, in the retirement program, folks have lots of options and lots of choices. And because of the change in the, you know, defined benefit pension and all the other sources of income, it's probably a more important decision for folks to make these days. And understand that you've got choices and you've got options, and what I can do is help people understand those choices and options, but ultimately it's the individual's own decision to make what makes the most sense for them. But under the program, key thing is to understand what is called your full retirement age for Social Security purposes. And for most folks, anyone born between 1943 and 1954, full retirement age for Social Security is age 66. And under the program, 
you can start to receive your benefit payments as early as age 62 if you choose to do so or at any point in between. But under the program, if you think about it, Social Security is a social insurance program. And one of the things Congress hopes to do as part of a social insurance program is that everyone collect roughly the same amount of money over their lifetime, regardless of when they start to collect. And so under the program, if you opt to start receiving payments prior to reaching your full retirement age, because now in theory anyway, based on average life expectancy, you'll be collecting for a longer period of time, well then your monthly payment amount is reduced. And for each month prior to your full retirement age you collect, your payment is reduced by roughly half a percent. And oh yeah, that's a permanent reduction. Mm. A lot of people mistakenly think, yeah, I'll start early, but then when I hit my full retirement age, it'll zoom back up. Uh-uh, you start early, your payment each month is permanently reduced by roughly half a percent for each month that you collect. But the trade-off is obviously you're starting to collect sooner, therefore collecting for a longer period of time. And it's supposed to come out about the same as if you started at your full retirement age. And if you do that, you'll collect 100% of what your work and earnings have entitled you to. But among the options people have are to wait past full retirement age, if that makes sense for them to do so. And now with that social insurance idea in place, if you opt to wait past full retirement age before starting to collect, because now in theory anyway, based on average life expectancy, you'll be collecting for a shorter period of time. So by waiting, your monthly payment is increased. And for each month past your full retirement age, you don't draw a benefit. Your payment is increased by two-thirds of a percent. These are referred to as delayed retirement credits and two-thirds percent per month. That translates into an 8% per year bump for each year you don't collect, although you don't have to not collect for a full year to earn those delayed retirement credits. But the key thing is these delayed retirement credits stop accruing at age 70. Now, you never have to take your money, but by waiting up from full retirement age until age 70, your payment is increased by two-thirds percent for each month that you don't collect. If you happen to not collect even past age 70, there's no additional increase. So in looking at it, I would say it's kind of like this continuum. You can start as early as age 62. If you do so, the way the reduction factor works out, you end up with 75% of the amount you'd get if you started at your full retirement age. The closer you get to full retirement age, the higher your percentage is. You start right at full retirement age, you get 100% based on what your work and earnings have entitled you to. And for each year past that you defer, your payment amount is increased by 8%. So if you opt to wait all the way until age 70 to start, your monthly amount is going to be 32% higher than it would have been had you started at your full retirement age. We're talking with Kurt Zarnowski of Zarnowski Consulting. He is talking about Social Security. And, Kurt, there, there's always strategies, and you do such a good job of walking us through the strategies about maximizing one's Social Security benefits. So let's talk about one that is becoming more and more popular, and that's file and suspend. So give us the overview of what it means when we say file and suspend. Sure, and it's important to point out to listeners that these strategies apply to couples. The way a single individual optimizes his or her own lifetime Social Security benefits, you wait until age 70 to start and then live forever. But, but with couples, the there's some things you might consider as a way to optimize or maximize lifetime benefits. This file and suspend strategy provides a way that and, and, Jim, the program is absolutely, totally gender neutral, works either way. But as we discuss these strategies, we'll base 
the discussion on the assumption that the husband is the higher wage earner and the wife is the lower wage earner, just for ease of explanation, but it works equally well the other way. But it provides a way that the wife can begin to collect spousal benefits at the same time the husband is looking to delay collecting his Social Security retirement benefit in order to earn delayed retirement credits and increase his monthly payment. And file and suspend basically says the husband, at full retirement age, goes to Social Security, he applies for his retirement payment, and then immediately asks to have his monthly payment suspended or not receive it. And by so doing, he'll begin to earn delayed retirement credits, increase his payment by 8% per year, increasing the ultimate benefit that he gets, as well as increasing the widow's payment that would be paid to his wife if he were to pass away first. But by his having applied for benefits, that allows his wife to begin to collect that spousal payment, which she wouldn't be able to do unless and until he had applied for benefits. So it's a way that the, and again, totally gender neutral, but in our example, the husband can opt to defer, but still provide monthly benefit payments to the wife who would not be able to collect unless the husband had applied for benefits. So key point is though, husband has to be at full retirement age, take advantage of this. You can't go into Social Security at age 63 or 64 and say, I want to file and suspend. You have to be at full retirement age. For the wife to collect that spousal benefit, just has to be at least age 62, which is the earliest age a spouse can collect in any case. We just had a question, though, from a client that was emailed to us, and, the, and it was an individual a, a listener. And the listener said that here, again, I want to remind every listener, if you if you got a question for us anytime during the program or if you would like to just send the question and we get it aired on the program, send it to talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com. It's talkmoney at shoemakerfinancial.com, and we'll get the pro, get that question on the program. And the question was, they had called Social Security, Kurt, and were, they were going to go through this process of filing and suspending, and the people at the Social Security office said, well, that's not necessary. You don't have to do that. Just ignore it and then start collecting when you turn 70. This person's 67, 68 years old. Uh, was that the right advice? Or was it wrong advice or, or what type? What, what, that's from the Social Security Administration. Sure. And, and I think it's important for listeners to understand. Or, and it, the question always comes up, well, what's the difference between at full retirement age filing and suspending or just doing nothing and waiting to apply at your age 70? And in either case, whether you file and suspend or whether you just do nothing, you're going to be not collecting payments, so you'll be earning delayed retirement credits, and your monthly benefit's going to be increasing by two-thirds of percent for each month that you don't collect that 8% per year maximum talked about. So in either case, at age 70, you're going to be able to receive a payment that'll be 32% higher than your full retirement age amount. But the one advantage to someone, a single individual largely, at full retirement age actually filing and suspending is that it holds open the possibility that if something happens later on and the person needs to get some of money from Social Security, if they have filed and suspended, they can go to Social Security at any point and ask to have as much or as many, as many or as few of those payments that have been suspended or held repaid to them in a lump sum. If you haven't applied for benefits and do need money down the road, you can apply, but the most you'll receive is six months of retroactive payment. So I, I, if, when asked, I say, hey, it, makes no, it doesn't matter either way. You end up with same amount of money if nothing happens. But by at least filing and suspending, 
it does hold open the possibility of receiving retroactive benefits if you have that need arise at some point prior to turning age 70. Yeah, Curtin, I think you stated it earlier, and this is what, including that it's for the client to receive the spousal benefit, and you stated it, that they had to, the husband had to file and suspend for... Well, they didn't need to have filed and suspend, Jeremy. They just need to have applied for benefits. Okay, okay, apply for benefits. So that's filing and suspending, though. Of a okay. well, no, if they're at full retirement age, they can opt to file and suspend. But, for example, you have somebody who wants to start receiving his, his Social Security benefits at age 64. So he applies for benefits and starts to collect. His right. having applied at that point means if his wife is at least age 62 and do a spousal benefit, she can begin to collect that spousal payment at that point. Good. Yeah, he has that, either applied and begun to collect, or if he's at full retirement age, he's applied and then is asked to have his payments suspended. Spousal payments not going to be made if somebody's just if the yeah, again in our example we're talking husband and wife. If the husband's just sitting around and hasn't done anything, the wife can't collect. The husband needs to have at least initiated something to either collect or to ask to have the payment suspended for that spousal benefit to be paid. And I know, I think for our listening audience, this is, as you said, it's gender neutral because in today's society, you could have the spouse the being the wife who's made a higher income and the husband may be the, the one that's filing into getting the, the larger amount being that his spouse's portion, the half of that spouse's portions could be his. And that would be, I mean, so I think everybody needs to understand that when you say husband, you could literally be saying the wife. I mean, it's just gender oh, absolutely. neutral. Has nothing absolutely. to do with it, this. But it's just when we try and explain it, and you talk about he and she and yeah. it gets too complicated. So yeah, absolutely right. Gender neutral. That's a, that's a great point for our listening audience. Very good. File and suspend. Now, another strategy that, that you talk about, and that's uh, it's, a, it's a big deal, is claim some now, claim more later. Talk to us about that. Sure. Now, this is a case where, and again, totally gender neutral, all right, but we'll illustrate it by saying you've got a husband and wife, both of whom have worked, both have paid into the Social Security program, and let's say the wife has begun collecting retirement benefits, and let's say the wife has a full retirement age amount of 800 bucks. The wife is collecting, but the husband sits there and says, you know what, I want to wait. I want to earn those delayed retirement credits, increase my own payment, and increase the survivor benefit that might be made. But he's wondering, is there something he can do to get some type of Social Security payments while he's waiting? This claim some now, claim more later strategy says, if he waits until his full retirement age, he can go to Social Security at that point and apply for just a spousal payment. He won't apply for his own. He'll just apply for a spousal benefit. He'll then receive 50% of the wife's full retirement age amount, or $400, But while he's receiving that $400 spousal benefit, his own payment will be increasing because he'll be earning delayed retirement credits. The key thing is, if you go to Social Security prior to reaching your full retirement age, you don't have that option of taking just a spousal payment. You are required to apply for your own retirement benefit first. And if your own retirement benefit proves to be more than what you could collect on your spouse, then you're not due any type of spousal payment. But at full retirement age, the option opens up that you can take that spouse, just a spousal payment, i.e. claim some now, and then wait till, and you don't have to wait to age 70, but if you wait all the way till age 70, apply for your own retirement benefit at that point, and the monthly amount will be 32% higher than it would have been had you filed at your full retirement age. So you're collecting the smaller payment in the interim, but getting a higher payment down the road. So claim some now, claim more later. Again, key thing is, 
you have to be at full retirement age to take advantage of this. Let me let's we know we're talking about retirement, but we've got an email from someone that says, "Okay, if I am married, my spouse is now deceased. They want to make sure that they're filing. This has just happened, obviously, because they have a, a minor child who is in college and one who is in ice high school. Are both children eligible for benefits, and is she eligible for a spousal benefit of a deceased worker? Sure. And so people need to understand, too, besides, you know, we do spend a lot of time talking about retirement benefits, but there are other aspects of Social Security, including the survivorship issue. And if someone has worked, paid into the Social Security system and then passed away, surviving family members are potentially eligible to receive monthly benefits. Now, for children, surviving children to collect, they have to be under the age of 18 or up until age 19 if they're still a full-time student in high school but no later, no older than age 19. Now with that surviving parent, he or she is also gonna be eligible to collect an additional payment, but only until the youngest child reaches age 16. So once the youngest child turns 16, the surviving parent's own separate eligibility ends. Kid will continue to collect till age 18 or age 19. But then down the road, as the surviving or once the surviving parent turns age 60, he or she becomes eligible for widows or widowers benefits at that point. So in younger family situations, kids can collect up till the age of 18 or age 19 if full time student in high school and a surviving parent can also collect up until the time the youngest child reaches age 16. We're talking with Kurt Zarnowski, best consultant I know when it comes to Social Security. He does a great job of taking sometimes a, a question or a comment or a, a subject that is misunderstood, not not understood, I think, a lot of times. I yeah, mean, I agree. I, you know, I think I, I get it. And then what happens is, is a lot of people, because a lot of people have their own stories of what other people tell them or what even from there's strength. a lot of rumor runs around a lot of rumor and so even when you go to the social security administration and you go and ask questions kurt my question is you know with all the talk like we're talking about with social security and filing or suspending or just taking benefits widow benefits is when they go to the social security administration and because they hear let's say they hear the the show today and yep. they want to go down and do it and then the comes back from the Social Security Administration with different answers or information, then we start doubting ourselves, they doubt themselves, and then they just move on and they forget about it. Right. What would you give some advice would you give for them? For how to be prepared. Well, you know, I think it's important for folks to understand the folks at the Social Security office, they're not financial advisors. All right? They're not going to sit there and you can't sit down with them and say, just tell me what to do. They're not going to tell you what to do. That's not appropriate for them. Um, but what they can do is help you understand and tell you what you can or cannot do. So if you go in and say, I'm age 63 and I want to file and suspend, they're going to say, no, no, you can't do that. You have to be at full retirement age. Um, in today's client, climate, I think it's just important for folks to go in there with an idea in mind of what they want to do um, based on the discussions we've had in the show and maybe reading from the, the website and other things like that. Um, but you, you can't really go in and ask this open-ended question about, you know, what should I do? They, they can't do that. But if you go in with a, an idea about what you're intending to do, um, they're going to help you steer you through and help you understand that, yes, you can do what you want to do or, no, you can't do what you want to do for one reason or another. Uh, and I think that in terms of that other issue, I think uh, my experience when I worked for Social Security for 34 years is 
you know, I'd always get that complaint. Well, I've asked the same question to multiple people and uh, got different answers. You know, sometimes, sure, that may be the case, but the program is so nuanced. There's so many different issues that come into play. My experience always, in many cases, was people never asked exactly the same question. They thought they were asking the same question, but they didn't always include all of the different facts that happen to come in and play an impact on things. So I think best advice is be prepared when you go to the Social Security office. Have done some thinking, listening to the show, some reading, have in mind what you want to do. And basically, if you get uh, an answer at the Social Security office from the person you talk to that you're not satisfied with, uh, just as with any other customer service organization, ask to speak to a supervisor. Kick it up the food chain. Yeah, that's, that's a you great... go to a local uh, you know, uh, retail establishment or, or, or any place you go, if you're not happy with the service you get at the front line, kick it on up the, uh, the, the food chain. And, yeah. and I think that's true with Social Security as well. You know, I, for do some... your homework in advance Yeah, do your homework when they're in... unprepared. Yeah, do your homework in advance. And, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I think if I was going to retire, I'd call Kurt. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. But, uh, Kurt, for 34 years, you did a lot for answering a lot of people's questions, and you're doing a great job for us. I have one more question for you. Uh, and again, if anybody listening, it's Kurt Zornowski. He is a consultant of you know Social Security, thirty-four years working with Social Security Administration. If you if you would like to know what your benefits look like, we have the ability at the office to to run some scenarios for you to give you some information to prepare you to go to the Social Security Administration uh, to to begin that process that you know a lot of people need to do. But if you've made a decision, Kurt, is there? I know there's a thing called do over or. Or, or something about it. So tell us what's going on with that. What's the status of do it over? Sure. For the Social Security has always had in place a process by which if you changed your mind, <clears throat> excuse me, about applying for re- receiving benefits, you could always undo what you had done by, and the technical term was that you would withdraw the application that you had previously filed. For Social Security to grant that withdrawal request, you simply needed to repay any benefits that you may have collected key thing was Social Security never charged you interest on that repayment. So what evolved as a strategy, if you will, was folks recognized they could, for example, come to Social Security at age 62, apply for benefits, receive that 75% of their full retirement age amount, but collect that money, collect, 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 and then say at age 70, go back to Social Security and say, hey, changed my mind, want to undo what I had done eight years ago. Social Security, go fine, figure out how much they'd collected, They pay that sum back, but again, no interest would be charged, and the person was then free to refile the following day, and their payment rate would not be the age 62 rate they had been starting with, but it would be the age 70 rate going forward. And so if you think about it, they would have had an interest-free loan from Social Security during this eight-year period. So that struck the commissioner of Social Security as wrong somehow, limited number of folks taking advantage of a loophole in the program. So about four years or so ago, the rules were tightened up. Now, if you change your mind, you can still undo what you have done, withdraw your application, pay the money back without interest, but only if you decide to do so within one year of becoming entitled to benefits. And brings it back really to that initial intention that if you changed your mind, you shouldn't be saddled with that retirement decision, but should know within a year or so whether you've made the right decision. So you can still withdraw, repay, and refile, but only if you do so within 12 months of becoming entitled to benefits, and you can only do it once in a lifetime. Mm. So as I say, the old do-over, 
now more frequently the no-can-do-over. No-can-do-over. Well, you just tuned in. This is, of course, Talk Money with Shoemaker Financial. It's KWAM AM 990. And uh, we're really talking with a guy that we thoroughly enjoy talking to because he does a great job, Kurt Zarnowski, Zarnowski Consultant. We're talking about Social Security. And if you've got questions, just, you know, please send them to us, Talk Money at Shoemaker Financial. If you would like to have your Social Security looked at and, and get some information from us at the office, you can do that. Call us at the office at 757-5757. But, Kurt, you know, you do a great job. Thank you so much, sir. I know you're a busy, busy man, uh, especially busy, busy. especially being a grandpa. And, uh, boy, we just uh, – thanks for the picture of Jackson Rawlins. Must look like his – no, fortunately, he doesn't look like his grandpa. That's a good fortunately thing. Fortunately is right. But I'll be back with you guys on August 22nd. Looking forward to it, sir. Thank you so much. Thanks, Kurt. Derby, take care. Jim, always a pleasure. Keep an eye on Keith, though. I'm not sure he was really in Nashville. <laughs> you got it. Oh, man, I tell you, we've had a great program. We thank you so much for staying with us today. Just remember, this is Shoemaker Financial, and it's Talk Money. We're here every Friday helping you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.